John chapter 8 and verse 44, all right? John 8 and verse 44, the Lord Jesus says, Give your father the devil, the lest your father you will do is a murderer from the beginning, and abode not the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. That's kind of, you know, if you just said to somebody, you're a liar, that's pretty, that's pretty hard condemning words. Pretty harsh, isn't it? Let me tell you something, the devil's a liar. He is a liar and the father of it. Father, I pray your, not just your help, but thy Holy Spirit's filling tonight. Use me as thy vessel. Just move me out of the way. May, uh, Lord, you be glorified and Jesus Christ be seen. I pray you'd help thy folks, Lord, as we spend a few moments together in thy blessed and holy word now, we pray in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. I'd like for you to be turning back to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 30, while I'm just uh, talking here for a moment, okay? 2 Chronicles, chapter 30. Now, let me just give you several little introductory thoughts tonight, all right? Number one, most of our time tonight together is going to be introduction. Now, that's good news, because when I get to point one and point two, you know we're about through, amen. And it's always good to know when the preacher's about through. And uh, I like doing the preaching because when I get hungry, I know I'm about through right there. Amen. That's a good thing. May the Lord help us, all right? Now, number two, just by way of introduction tonight, I'm, I'm just going to kind of share with you a little Bible read. I was reading through my Bible here recently, and, and I try to change my Bible reading every year. And uh, I've just, you don't have to do that. If you, if you, good hint for you, take it and use it, all right? And I've done several different things in my Bible reading, you know, read it through in a year and and to be honest with you, if your preacher just reads his Bible through once in a year, that's pretty slack. All right, need, need to do more than that, okay? And uh, I, I set off uh, several years ago, I decided one year, I'm going I'm to sit down and I'm going to read every book in the Bible at one sitting. Now, some of them are pretty easy, you know, read Jude, that's, I read it seven times. And, uh, but just sit down and read, you know, some of them like Psalms. You've got to find a day when you've you got a little time, you just going to have to sit down and, and uh, I wouldn't get a cup of coffee, I'd get me a cup of, uh, of tea, you know, and sit down with that thing. And Well, I'm telling you, that just kind of, and you can't get your concordance out and look up all the words. You're not going to make it through it, okay? You're going to have to just kind of pay attention and read for a moment. But boy, it just, it helped my heart. And uh, I've done two or three different things, and hey, you, you can use some things. I, I think it's kind of hard to read your Bible wrong unless you just read it out of context. Okay, and just, just read it, though. Read it right and let God speak to your heart. But I've been doing something a little different again this year. And uh, just been some things jump off the page the Lord spoke to me about. And I pray God would help us about. I'm going to try to get somewhere here in a moment. The life of Hezekiah. Illustrate what we read in John chapter 8. May the Lord just give us something. It's a Sunday night crowd, okay? So let's just settle down and let the Lord help our hearts and speak to us for a moment a little bit, okay? If I were to ask you a list in uh, the nation. You remember Israel and Judah and they split, you know, those two... Uh, nations and that's important in Bible history. If I were to ask you the name of good king, you know, there's a bunch of wicked ones we could name. We could name old Ahab and we could name all kind of wicked ones. We'd name a few good kings, okay? Uh, David might come off, Solomon might call. It wouldn't be till long till somebody would say Hezekiah. Somebody also say Josiah, I'm sure. But it wouldn't take you long to say Hezekiah. Not, not perfect by any means, but a good king. Uh, a, a godly king. Interesting, he said, about the 13th in line from Rehoboam, after the son of Solomon there, you know, uh, his, his granddaddy was Jotham. And the interesting thing about uh, uh, Jotham is he kind of fortified Jerusalem. But after Jotham comes a king by the name of Ahaz, and Ahaz was really a godless king, okay? He nails the, 
doors of the temple shut and, and uh, has his own sacrifice. Apparently a brother uh, of uh, uh, Hezekiah is, is killed. and It's just a, it's a bad thing. Uh, Hezekiah has a son by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh is one of the worst ones there ever was. He was not only evil, but he also reigned about the longest of any of them. Reigned 55 years, and most of that reign was just horrible. Now, he repented at the last of his life, and thank God for that. But if you'll study your Bible and read about his sons, he paid for it dearly in his family. He didn't pay attention. All around Hezekiah is all these, all these kings. And then, then you get down after, after Manasseh, you know, you, you begin to get down to, well, there's Ammon, there's, there's Josiah, good godly king. And then after him, you get the Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, Jehoiakims, and Eliakims, and all those guys following there. And they change their name to Zedekiah, and they all, and the nation, and the nation crumbles and things go, go down from there. Well, Hezekiah is a unique king who stands out, and he's a godly man, okay? Now, another thing that I want you to think about Hezekiah, and we're going to read a whole bunch of Bible in a moment, is that Hezekiah reigns during a period just as Israel is going captive. Now, remember, he's a king in Judah, okay? So he's kind of watching this. He's at the tail end of that. And he sees all that going on. Uh, Sennacherib and Assyria come and attack Israel and take them off. And then they come and threaten Hezekiah that was going on. And yet, uh, for the most part, Hezekiah took a took a good stand, and yet he's going to hear all kind of lies from the devil. A man who lived 25 years, became king, then reigned 29 years, and the Lord blessed him and, and used him in a, in a wonderful way. Let me just say something while I'm here for a moment, all right? I don't know you like them or not, but old Dr. Bob Jones Sr. said, if you don't chase a few rabbits, you miss a whole bunch of good scenery. So once in a while, when them rabbits come by and you get some good scenery along here, you know, you don't have to follow a bad example. Hezekiah had plenty of them around. Look here, you can learn from bad examples. You few young people that are here tonight, several young people, God bless you for being here tonight. Don't use the excuse, somebody else did wrong, or I saw it from my parents, I saw whoever else. You can learn right from a bad example. Learn what God would have you to do. And uh, man, I, I was around some of that. Forgive me, I think I had a great uncle for a moment. I, his name was Uncle Offie. I had some real good family names. My wife wouldn't let me name any of our children after my side of the family. But... Uh, well, he just was an old drunk, to be honest with you. I remember as a little boy going to his house, and I was, I was afraid of that fellow. I just, he was, you know, he was rough and rough mouthed and drunk and all that. And I can remember thinking as a young boy, and I'm not saved by any means, but I can remember thinking, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to get drunk and follow all that, you know, whatever. You can learn from a bad example. Learn, learn good and right and let God help your heart. And Hezekiah does learn from those things, all right? Uh, Second Chronicles. Chapter number 32. Now, I'm going to flip back and forth a good little bit. The same story is really repeated in 2 Kings 17, 18, 19, Isaiah 36, 37, and also here in 2 Chronicles. And so I'm going to pick and choose the verses I want to use and flop back and forth a little bit, okay? I figure if I make you turn your Bible, you'll stay awake better that way, all right? 2 Chronicles 32 and verse number 1. After these things... And the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. So Sennacherib, an enemy of God from over Assyria, is coming to attack Hezekiah and uh, the good fellows, if we will, for a moment. All right, verse 2. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come and that he was purposed to fight Against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes and his mighty men to stop the waters of the fountains, 
which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together, who stopped all the fountains and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? I know Dr. Bloom's going to Israel next year. If you've never been, if you get to go with him, it'd be a great thing. One of the things you might get to see while you're there is something they call the Tunnel of Hezekiah. You know, the waters were stopped out there, and he had men dig from both ends, and they dug a tunnel that's about a third of a mile long, so that the water from the outside is brought into the inside, down to, down to the pools there, the pool of Siloam, and, and uh, it's a wonderful thing. I, I enjoy running into people once in a while who say, you know, there's no proof whatsoever the Bible is true. Well, Hezekiah told us about his tunnel. It was no surprise when it was found in the late 1800s. The Bible is absolutely true. Every bit of it is true in its history. It's true in its science. It's true in everything it's about. Somebody walked up to Billy Sunday one day, uh, the uh, famous evangelist, you know, and said to him, Brother Sunday, there's not a word in that book that's true. The book at least said that Billy Sunday reached out and grabbed a fellow by the nose and just twisted that thing till it began to bleed. The fellow said, what in the world did you do that for? He said, well, the Bible says the churning of milk bringeth forth butter and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. Therefore, it is true. See? Amen. <laughs> Well, it's just true. The tunnel, it's all there. Amen. All right, verse 5. Also he strengthened himself and built up all the wall that was broken and raised it up to the towers and another wall without and repaired Milo in the city of David and made darts and shields in abundance. And he set captains of war over the people and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed for the king of Assyria nor for all the multitude that is with him. For there be more with us than with them. Verse 8, But with him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God. And I'm going to stop right there and say, Amen. When the Lord's on the side, there's a difference that's made. The Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Now, Keep your finger there if you want. I'll go with me to 2 Kings, just back a little bit. Chapter number 18. 2 Kings 18. Not strictly, but if you read your study of your Bible, 1 and 2 Samuel are paralleled by 1 Chronicles. And 1 and 2 Kings are paralleled by 2 Chronicles. So we're reading from 2, Chronicles, 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, a story that's pretty close to the same. You almost find the same verses, but I want to look back and forth and find a couple of things here. All right, 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 13. Now in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, come up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. So the enemy is coming to take the land. Verse number 14. And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lachish, saying, I have offended. Return from me that which thou puttest on me, I will bear. Now, I, sometimes I read my Bible and I get question marks in my mind. He agreed, basically, to pay a tax there, a tribute. What you put on me, if you'll leave us alone, I'll pay it. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talents of silver and thirteen talents, or 30 talents of gold. I don't know exactly how much that is, but that sounds like a whole bunch to me. If you just asked me to give a little bit of gold, I'd have to be like Peter, silver and gold have I none, you know. Here it is, 30 talents. I mean, that's a here's a ton of gold. Verse 15, and Hezekiah gave him all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord and the treasure of the king's house. And at that time did Hezekiah king cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord. That's sad. 
And from the pillars which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. He's being bullied into giving all these things up to Sennacherib, all right? Still here, 2 Kings 18. Let's skip down. Let's look at uh, verse 17. And the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabsaris and Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of upper pool, which is in the highway of the fuller's field. And when they had called the king, there came out to them Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, the recorder. And Rabshakeh said unto them, Now remember, Rabshakeh is on Sennacherib's side. He's one of the enemies of God, the enemies of Jerusalem, okay? Verse number 19, And Rabshakeh said unto them, Speaking now to Hezekiah, Thus saith the great king. Now the reference is not to Hezekiah, the reference is to that old wicked Sennacherib. He's looking at him. Thus saith the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trustest? Thou sayest, but they are but vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now behold, thou trustest upon the staff of this brood reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, if he will go into his hand and pierce it, so is Pharaoh king of Egypt unto all that trust on him. But if you say unto me, We trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah hath taken away and hath said to Judah, And Jerusalem, ye shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. He's questioning God. Now Hezekiah has brought back some of the worship back to Jerusalem and brought things in the land. You remember, he's a pretty good king. Verse number 23. Now therefore I pray thee, give pledges to my lord the king of Assyria. Hezekiah, you bow down to Sennacherib, okay? And I will deliver thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, time out right there. That's Rabshakeh, the enemy, the servant of Sennacherib, who says, God said to me, let me tell you something. Everybody who says God said to me, God didn't say anything to some of them, okay? There are plenty of false prophets out there. There are plenty of folks who claim to speak in the name of God that don't have a bit of God in them whatsoever, that don't know anything about it. It's the enemy of God who says, now with me in the middle of verse 25, the Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. That's a bald-faced lie. Verse 26. Then said Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and Shebna, and Joah, unto Rabshakeh, Speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and talk not with us in the Jews' language, in the ears of the people that are on the wall. They, they, they said, look, look here, don't, don't speak so that people, speak in the other language so that these people can't, can't hear that, they don't hear that instruction. Let me tell you something. There's a verse in Proverbs 19:27 that says, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causes to err from the words of knowledge. You know what? We as Christians ought to be careful what instruction we hear. 
Well, be careful what books we read. Well, be careful, be sure the things are right. Oh, I don't have time to read. I hear people give this phrase once in a while. You know, I can shake something good off any old tree. I ain't my philosophy, to be honest with you. If it ain't good, I don't got time to read it because there's more good to read than I can get my hands on, okay? There's more good for me. I can just read something good and solid. I picked up a book some time back by somebody, and I won't tell you the name or who it was, so it won't recommend it whatsoever. Somebody said, y'all read this book. It was about the will of God. I thought, sounds good to me. And I began to read through that thing, and I got through about page 30, and I began to bog down about page 40, and I thought, I, I'm not doing so hot here. And by about page 50, I, I could feel my face getting hot. About page 55, I said, I'm through with this thing. I didn't even finish the reading the thing. I realized what that thing, that, that guy was way off of base from what the Bible had to say. He was just going along the way. I didn't finish reading it or whatever else. Look here, well, be careful who we listen to. Well, be careful what instruction we set. We sing once in a while, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. And then we sing, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And how come we think that only belongs to four and five-year-olds and not to 40 and 50 and 60 and 70-year-olds? We need to be careful what we see, too. We need to be careful what we hear. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. We need to be careful. Be careful who we listen to. Be careful what we see. We need to be careful about that. We can control those things. Bringing into uh, captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Submitting all those things uh, to Him. I want you to go back with me to Second Chronicles for just a moment. All right, we're reading a parallel passage here. Second Chronicles chapter 32. You still with me? I told you, 95% of this message is introduction. Okay? Just rambling and we'll get to a little outline point in a moment. Second Chronicles Chapter 32 and verse number 9. 2 Chronicles 32 verse 9. After this did Sennacherib, king of Assyria, send his servants to Jerusalem. But he himself laid siege against Lachish and all his power with him unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, and unto all Judah that were at Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith Sennacherib, king of Assyria, Whereon do you trust that ye abide in the siege of Jerusalem? Verse 11, Doth not Hezekiah persuade you to give over yourselves to die by famine and by thirst, saying, The Lord our God shall deliver us out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Hath not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, Ye shall worship before one altar and burn incense upon it? Know ye not what I and my fathers have done unto all the people of other lands? Were the gods of the nation of those lands anyway were able, uh, able to deliver their lands out of mine hand? Here's what he's saying. Why, why are you listening to Hezekiah? Look at here. We conquered every and, and, and Assyria was powerful. We've conquered all these lands around us. We've got this one. They had all their gods. None of them could deliver. What makes you think your God can do it? You see the question they're placing about that deal? What makes, you, what makes you want to follow him? What makes you have anything to, to do with him, you know? Here's what, here's what he's telling you. And the devil's been telling the same lies since Adam and Eve were on the earth. God's not interested in you. How come you think God up above would look down and care for you? Here's what he said. He says, God has no power to help you. That's what he says. That's just a lie of the devil. He, he says, uh, God, God's not concerned about you. Look at here. 
Why, why would you want to serve God? That's not profitable. He has no power. He can't help you. He can't watch over you. And the devil's still selling us the same thing today. And I'm afraid sometimes we want to listen to him rather than turn him away like we should be. You know, look here. You're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to come out the world a little bit. Nobody cares about you. You won't be, here's a word I'm hearing a bunch today. You won't be relevant anymore. <laughs> Bless God, we're not seeking to be relevant. We won't seek to follow the Lord. The world says, you know, look at here, you, you, you got to do it. Brother Bloom, she's going to have to get with it and let all this music come in that, you know, bring in the boy band and dress everybody and, you know, make it, make it look like you're at some concert or Saturday night or whatever else. Or you're not going to be relevant. Well, bless God, I'm not interested in being relevant. I want to be godly. Amen. I want to be Bible. I don't have to have all that stuff in it. I don't have to follow that or whatever else. You know, you got you, you got to change things. This old, old idea of church and, and preaching and having a pulpit and open the Bible and letting somebody thunder forth from the Word of God a moment. That, that's just, that's just old, you know. Just, just get that out of there. You, you're not going to be a part of that. You, you've got to look here. If you're going to reach the world, you're going to have to be like the world. But the devil said, didn't he? Now, my Bible says, love not the world. We heard this in Sunday school, I believe, this morning. Neither things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We're not to be even be like the world, okay? You, you, you know? Look here, you're going to have to get with it. You preach some old standards, nobody wants to hear that. Well, bless God, I think there are a few people who still want to hear it. Amen. And there's some Bible about those things that ought to matter to us too, okay? You know, don't you know? Get with the popularity today. You've got to understand. Two men continually love each other. Well, I love Brother Josh, but I ain't about to marry him, okay? <laughs> Our world's gone crazy, hasn't it? you you got to get with it, you know? you you got to understand that the times have changed. Well, times may have changed, but the Bible hasn't, neither has God. It's still the same. It's still the whole world. We don't have to change and follow all those things. Look here, just, just put down your doctrine and get along, would you? I mean, if you're going to be relevant, you've got to join up with the ecumenical crowd. Y'all got them down here too. I hear the laughs out there, okay? I get it back home, man. Come on, Brother Scully, wouldn't you like to go down there and be a part of this ecumenical crowd? I try to kindly say no. And then one of them, once in a while, one of them says, why? And I wish he hadn't said that. We're going to be there for a little bit, okay? Because if he asks why, I'm going to try to be nice about it, but I'm going to try to tell him why, okay? I, I got a letter a while back. I wish I'd have kept it. I didn't keep it. It said, uh, we're going to have this meeting down here, but we're going to, we want all the preachers in town, everybody to come, but we're not going to preach on, and they named a couple of, they named several things we're not going to preach on. We're not going to preach on the blood of Christ. Well, I got no interest in going to be a part of that, for without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. One of the things I remember particularly they put in there is we're not going to preach on the security of the believer. Wow. Well, I believe one of the greatest verses in the Bible on security believers, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Man, that, that just doesn't leave any loopholes in that verse right there. You can try to take it and bend it and twist it and do everything you want to, but you just read what the Bible had to say right there. You're in Christ, you're secure in Him. Amen. Just don't, don't listen and follow all those things of the world, all right? Um, let's go back to 2 Kings, okay? I'm going to skip a whole lot. Amen. 2 Kings, chapter number 18, and uh, verse number 27. Let's see if I can find my right place there. 2 Kings 18, verse number 27. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't you understand? You've got to be filled. With... Can't get rid of that thought, Brother Bloom. You've got to get 
filled with grace, you know. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The book of 1 John was written to believers. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. My son, you know, <laughs> if, 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 you just read that. My little children, these things are written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, so you may know you have eternal life. Right. These things are written. And when you take that book and you take it out of context and you apply that thing, well, that was written to lost people. And you take 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he just give us our sins. And we make that thing so it applies to lost people, not believers like it applies in that place. Then we, we, you open yourself up to that crazy grace doctrine that allows everything. The grace of God is not something that says, well, God doesn't care anymore. I'll do anything I want to. The grace of God is a liberty I have to follow what he's told me to follow. I have his grace and help to follow me. Now, 2 Kings chapter 18 and verse number 27, But Rabshakeh said unto him, unto them, Remember, that's the enemy, dude. Hath my master sent me to thy master, and to thee, and to speak these words? Hath he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall? I'll not read the rest of that verse. I want you to read it while you sit there a moment. He threatens them with some very difficult times. That's tough right there, brethren. Verse 28, Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice, in the Jews' language, and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king. Remember, again, he's referring to Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Thus saith the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his, out of his hand. Uh, they can't help you. You know? Look here. Don't follow the godly side. Don't follow that godly king. What, what good are they going to do for you? To the young people. Man, follow that old fuddy-duddy church and they just want to take all the fun. They want to take all the good out of you. They don't have anything fun down there or whatever else, you know. Devil says, come on my way, I'll show you a good time. Come on, I'll show you how to, you, you can follow and you can live, you can live like, like the world. Time out, brethren. The devil's lied to me many times, but let me tell you something. God's been good to me. Amen. Psalm 145 says, the Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all His works. Thank God for that. My wife, Lynette, is here tonight. In fact, we'll be married 35 years here in a couple of months. Thank God for that. Hey, I've been blessed. I, I got five children. John wrote, I have no greater joy than hear that my children walk in truth. Our daughter teaches a Christian school and is living for the Lord and doing great. We have a son who's actually at home leading, singing, help with the service today. And he, uh, he drives about 100 miles every weekend to come. He and his wife and our granddaughter, and she's a wonderful, good-looking little thing, sweetheart, by the way. If you need pictures or something, me and Mom can help you after service, all right? And uh, we're glad for that. Our other son and, and daughter-in-law have just taken an a assistant a pastor position, and he's looking. He and I went to visit Montenegro last summer. It's a possibility of him going there for a missionary. And look here, i got five children right there serving the Lord. God's been good to me. God's watched over me. I, I could stay and talk some more and talk about where I, a little bit of where I came from, what God's done for me. God's been good to me. Too good for me to want to follow the devil to go his way. Amen. I thank God for my church. Not perfect, but I got a church family. I believe, you know, I, I got some I know when I hear preach me once in a while. They, they might like some of the things I preach or whatever else, but I believe I really got some folks in our church that love me. I'm, I'm serious about that. I believe I, I get off somewhere halfway between here and yonder, and I call some of them and say, man, I got the mess. Would you come help me? I think some of them would. I got some folks that love me. Amen. On the other hand, let me take you out and show the results of what's happened to some folks whose life has been given alcohol. Let me take you out and show you the bitterness of some folks who have neglected church for years. I go preach at the prison about every Monday. Unless there's just a lockdown or something else that we can't go do that or whatever else. Let me show you the result of living for the devil. 
We go down to the JDC every other Monday night. Some of them young folks just rebelled against God to no end. I'll show you how empty that is. Let me show you the faces of those who have been strung out on drugs and the, to- and the toll that's taken on them there. I'm going to tell you, the happiest, best-looking people in the world in church on Sunday night. They love Lord. God's blessed them and helped them. God's put His hands upon us and helped us. Man, we got every reason in the world to follow Him. Thank God for it. Go back with me to 2 Chronicles chapter number 32 for a moment, all right? 2 Chronicles 32 and verse number 15. 2 Chronicles 32 and verse number 15. All right? We get some more lies. 2 Chronicles 32, 15. Now therefore let not Hezekiah deceive you, nor persuade you on this manner. Neither yet believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people out of my hand and out of the hand of the fathers. Much, how much less shall your God deliver you out of my hand? He's still threatening them. And his servants spake yet more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. Verse 17. Who also wrote letters. And it's just getting a little, little deeper there. I mean, he's, he's threatening again. He wrote letters to the rail on the Lord God of Israel to speak against them, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have you not delivered their people out of my hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of mine hand. Then they cried with a loud voice of Jews' speech unto the people of Jerusalem that were on the wall to affright them and trouble them, that they might take the city. And they spake against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of of men, man, they just keep on railing against uh, uh, Hezekiah, good people, and the and and the people of the Lord, and, and threatening all those things. You know, uh, the devil just he doesn't give up; he keeps on, doesn't he? It, you know, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walking about seeking whom he may devour. He just keeps lying to you. I remember as a young man thinking, well, I'm going to get old enough and grow spiritually. I'm going to get by some of these temptations. I found out I did grow up and get by some of them, but when I got by one, two took its place. Other lies and other things came in. We found out there were other things that came in there and, and got a hold to us. And the devil's, he's not, he's not going to give up. May we just hook up with the Lord and not give up there either. Amen. Go back with to 2 Kings, all right? I know, Floppy, I told you how I'm going to keep you awake. 2 Kings chapter 18 for a moment. And uh, what, what is Hezekiah going to do? 2 Kings 18, and look with me at verse number uh, 36. You'll have to go read all the verses in between that we skipped, all right? 2 Kings 18 and verse number 36. But the people held their peace and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and Joah the son of Asaph, recorded to Hezekiah with their clothes rent. And told him the words of Rabshakeh. It's getting, I mean, the threats have come, and these guys finally have to come to Hezekiah and say, He's going to take our, he said he's going to destroy us, and he's destroyed those other nations around us. What are, what are we going to do? 2 Kings 19, verse 1 It came to pass when Hezekiah king heard it that he rent his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went to the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, which was over the household, and Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth. To Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy, for the children are come to the birth, and there is not strength to bring forth. It may be the Lord thy God will hear the words of Rabshakeh, 
whom the king of Assyria, his master, hath sent to reproach the living God, and will reprove the words which the Lord thy God hath heard. Therefore lift up thy prayer for the remnant that are left. We, we find Hezekiah here is in a mess. And Sennacherib is coming. The other nations have fallen. The devil's given his lies. They've spoken plainly so he can hear them their language. They've sent letters against them. And it looks like Hezekiah is wavering a little bit. And he's, he's doubting. And what is it that he's going to do? Now, I, we're not yet to the time. Some of you Bible scholars are thinking way ahead of me. It's going to come yet to the time when Hezekiah is going to have to pray. And Isaiah sat on that bowl of, that lump of figs to boil. And God's going to extend his life. We're not quite down to that yet. But let's look at this point of Hezekiah's life for just a moment. What is it in the middle of all this with the devil attacking that Hezekiah did? And by the way, you know the Bible wasn't just written for Hezekiah. It was written for us. Now these things were our examples of intent. We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. It's for us to learn from. They're Bible principles that we can follow here. And thank God it's Old Testament, but it's brand new truth that we can learn and get from tonight. All right? I'm to my outline, so you know I'm getting down the road away. All right? Point number one. What did Hezekiah do? Real simple. Number one, he prayed. Second Kings chapter 19. Look with me down at verse number 14. And Hezekiah received the... Letter of the hand of the messengers read it. Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed. Amen. Before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kings of the earth, thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thy ear, hear, open, Lord, thine eyes, and see and hear the words of Sennacherib, which has sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord. The kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations and their lands and have cast their gods in the fire. For there were no gods but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. You know, his prayer can be summarized real simple. He recognizes the sovereignty of God. And then he repeats to the Lord the trouble that's come to him by Sennacherib and the things that happened there. And then he asked God for deliverance. Would that we would learn sometimes just, we miss the secret of just go to the Lord in prayer. I had the privilege of sitting under Dr. Lee Robertson for a while and I heard him say several times, prayer is the mightiest weapon ever placed within the reach of man. When we come to a mess again, why don't we stop and pray? You know old Samson, that great man of might, I don't think Samson was a big muscle bound man myself. I just think that God, his strength came from the Lord. I think he probably looked like anybody else when he walked down the street. But when the Spirit of God came upon him, man, he could take them gates and walk down the hill with him. Or he could reach out and tear whatever he needed to tear in and do whatever else. Interesting enough, in the life of Samson, one time he prays, he takes this jawbone of an old donkey and goes out and kills a thousand people. When he gets through with that thing, man, he must have fought and battled so hard. He feels like he's about to thirst. He throws his old jawbone down. Lord, I'm going to thirst to death if you don't give me water. God puts a hole in that jawbone and gives him water right then. Life of Samson goes on. One more time the Bible records in chapter 16 there of Judges. When uh, after he's been blinded, his eyes have been put out. Old Dr. Monroe Parker, blind and bind and grind. I remember his message there well. And he took, and uh, he put his hands upon, took the little boy, put him up there and those things. And he prays, oh God, let me give him restore my strength so that my, I can avenge myself in my death here. And he prays and God gives him the strength and he put it back. Twice Samson prayed and as soon as he prayed, he got answered. Why didn't he pray more? Hold on, don't get too rough on Samson. I'm pretty guilty myself. 
We know we've taken things to God in prayers and gotten answered, and then sometimes we worry and fret. I'm a world champion warrior, forgive me. And sometimes we try to figure everything out and how I can do it in my own strength. When I remember, I'm supposed to take that thing to the Lord. I don't ever preach, Dr. Bloom, on prayer that I don't feel just absolutely guilty for preaching on it like I'm not praying like I ought to be. Let us learn from Hezekiah when he got in a mess. You got in a mess. You got some troubles. You got the world pressing in on you. The devil's saying you need to follow go this. Why don't you take it to the Lord? Go and pray and talk to him. All right? Look at me at 2 Kings 19. Look at me at verse number. We've seen this a couple of places, but just for a moment, look at me at verse number 4. You can find this in Isaiah chapter 37 places as well. Chapter 14. I said 4. I'm sorry. Chapter 19, verse 14. I'll get that out in a minute. Hold on a minute and close my mouth, put my brain in gear again. Here we go. 2 Kings 19, 14. There we go. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Thank God you're in church on Sunday. I don't need to preach this too long, do I? Go to church. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another provoking to love and good works. I like that verse. I learned that verse years and years ago. I met a missionary by the name of Billy Murdoch. Some of you may know him as a missionary in Africa. And that was his life verse. Let us consider one another provoking love and good works. He used to repeat a couple of times, and I had that verse memorized, and that was a good thing, and I used it. But you know what the next verse is, don't you? <laughs> Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know one of the ways we're going to... Let us consider one another provoke unto love. It's by not forsaking one another. You know, you have a great opportunity when you go to church to be a help to your brothers and sisters in Christ. We ought to walk in the church door. Sometimes we need God to speak to us and God to help to us, but we ought to walk in the church door with a sense of ministry in ourselves that we ought to help somebody else. Somebody comes down the aisle once in a while and think, well, they didn't speak to me. Have you ever thought about they might have had the toughest day they've ever had in their life and still made the church that day? And it might have been your place to help them in Christ. Sometimes we look at that thing all, all wrong there. Well, we'll just go to get church. Let me say something else about church while I'm here for a moment. I hear people talk about, you know, I need God direction. I have people calling me on the council, whatever. Some of the best counseling, the best counseling you'll ever get is hearing the preaching of the Word of God. I'm always amazed and comforted and helped by the fact that you can come to the pulpit with a preaching Bible message and have a crowd of folks, and only the Lord knows what needs are on our hearts tonight. I certainly don't know. Dr. Bloom doesn't know. To be honest with you, some of us don't even know ourselves. We come in so confused or whatever else, but the Holy Spirit of God does. And He can give us what Bible we need. He can give us what direction we need. If you walk with the Lord every time, I dare say I could stop the night and you give testimony. Time I came in my life, I was struggling, I was hurting, I was confused. I had problems, I had this going on or whatever else. I didn't know what to do and I went to church. And while I sat in the sanctuary of God, God just gave me a peace and told me what I ought to do. I'm telling you, direction in my life has often came, often come sitting under the preaching of the Word of God. Don't miss that. Oh, that is so important, so valuable. Our world is downplaying that today, you know. Well, let's, let's just have this small group church. We'll meet over at that house. I'm afraid what some of them are doing is they really don't want to submit to the authority of a pastor. And they want to go and teach up their, they teach their own doctrine and twist the Bible to say what they want to say rather than having a time when we have thus saith the Lord and let God speak to us. 
I'm convinced there's something special too about a time when we come and sit for a moment and we're not able to, to argue back and, and we have some questions that come along and we really we just kind of got to put that in a box for a moment because that preacher's going on and I've got to stay with him and thinking for a moment. And, and I think God's trying to teach us something rather than let us get our minds off the side of things to hear and sit and be under the preaching of the Word of God. Hezekiah went down there to the house of God. There's a good place to go get some help. Number three. And I only got three points, all right? Second Kings 19. Look at me at verse number 30. I just, I like the way this, this verse just reads so wonderful. You can find it over in the, the book of Isaiah as well, all right? But look at me at 2 Kings 19, verse 30. And the remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. Now remember where it is in the context of the Bible and let the verse try to mean something to us. He said, the remnant that escaped of the house of Judah shall yet again take root downward and bear fruit upward. I, I see a good topical message in that. I see some preaching out there, you know, you can talk about taking root in God and bearing fruit upward. And that's wonderful. But in context here, he's telling Hezekiah, yeah, judgment's going to come. Judah's going to be taken. Israel's already gone. But God's going to allow a remnant and one day they're going to take root downward. And they're going to bear fruit upward. It's not my subject tonight, but let me say God loves Israel and Jerusalem. And God's going to restore that nation. She's not a godly kingdom today. Tel Aviv is one of the leading sodomite cities in the world. But one day a nation shall be born in a day and God will restore a pure language. And it will be one day again where the Lord Jesus Christ rules and reigns with a rod of iron. He will restore it. That's a constant Bible theme we find in there. Thank God he's going to bring that thing back in place. And God says to Hezekiah, Hezekiah, I'm going I'm to remind you of a promise. That one day, it look, it looking like things are bad. Sennacherib's right there. They've been threatening you over the wall. and You had to cover the, uh, the, the, the water so it can get in there. And it's looking like, but I'm going to remind you that one day, there's a remnant in Judah. They're going to take root downward. They're going to bear fruit upward. You see what he did is, God gave Hezekiah a promise. Hezekiah rested on the promises of God. Did you get point number three in that? Let me tell you, God's given us a whole book full of promises. Oh, how sweet to serve the Lord and rest in Him. I hope there are times at night, sometime when you've rested so hard or whatever else, you can't, maybe you're not even reading it, but you can't even put your Bible down because you think of how good and how sweet and how precious God's been in that thing. You know, sometimes we feel like we're just going to, man, any moment, I, I'm, I'm going to crack up, man. I'm, I'm hanging over the precipice of destruction by my cracked toenails, and any moment I'm going to fall off, you know. And the Bible says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Amen. Yeah, just rest in his promises, and we know that it's the Lord who's taking care. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, knowing that he is right. The devil comes shining, you know, brandishing his sword and telling us all those things. Let's remind him, I got a Bible and it's still true. And I still rest in it. Christian friend tonight, maybe you find, you find yourself, maybe not a big a battle as Hezekiah got. But old Sennacherib and Rabshakeh out there threatening everything you can imagine tonight. Here's three simple Bible thoughts that I think will help us when we go to about them. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Don't, don't get out of church, remain faithful. I run into folks once in a while who say, I've got to get my life straight before I can get back in church. It's all wrong, friends. That's out of order. Get there where you can get some help. 
And number three, rest on the promises of God. Do you know the promises of God are yours? Have you by faith taken Jesus Christ as Savior? I know it's a Sunday night crowd. But let me just ask you, has there been a time, a place, when you by faith received Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior? I thank God for what He spoke to my heart. Boy, I was a convicted young man when I got saved. I, I tell everybody, man, I walked in heavy that night when I walked into church service. And old brother Wallace Little was a pastor and come in as an evangelist that week and preached. And boy, I, I knew if I died, I was going to hell. And I said, that's pretty plain to state it that way. That's what would have happened to me. Because that's where you go if you don't know Jesus Christ. Right. And that night I simply by faith received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I didn't walk out. I think I floated out. Man, I knew I was saved and Jesus Christ had saved me. That was something different. It was wonderful just to know Him. And if you walked in tonight by chance lost and without Christ, there's not a time you can't really point to the place where you came to Jesus Christ as Savior. There are folks here tonight who want to help you. And by faith, you can trust Him as Savior. Christian friend, maybe you came in tonight looking good. We all try to present ourselves well. And I think we ought to go to church looking nice the best we can. We're going to come to worship a holy God. Or maybe you come in tonight and you're heavy. I'm telling you, the Lord's still there to help you as much as he was Hezekiah. Bring it to him in prayer. Be faithful to his house. Rest in his promises. Let's pray together.